It's Friday, and I'm Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay! And I feel like today, real stupid. <laughs> so we, Well, we're going to just be stupid because, y'all, Emerson has morning sickness, and he's had it all day, and I'm really worried. Y'all, I got out of bed a half an hour ago at 3.15, to take a shower, to do this, because it was the thing, a thing to do. So, welcome, we're glad you're here. It is giving me a reason to get out of the bed. How is everybody on this Friday? I just want y'all to know, basically Emerson is saying, I cannot allow Dell to fly solo. I do not trust him. <laughs> With no telling what would happen. It's too late for a guest host. But uh, I, I'm, I'm worried, Emerson. I, I, I was telling you uh, before the uh, in in the South when we uh, every time someone's going through a crisis or someone's going through a divorce or someone's you know mama died in the church. These old church ladies go up to you and they, I'm going to do it for you. How are you? Not good, sister. Not good. They, um, the way it's said is like your life is just shit, but they don't say shit. Uh -huh. They turn their head and say, I'm so sorry. Please tell me everything so I can feel a little bit better about myself. I heard. I heard the news. Um, um, <laughs> I don't want y'all to actually worry, but I told y'all I started new pills. I'm pilling. Um, and it's just been a tough couple of days. I keep having these like random waves of nausea. I'm not super hungry, uh, and I'm a, a, a slender man, need to be eaten. Uh, but don't worry, me and my doctor, like we're working on these things. It's just been, I'm, I may yawn during the show because I've been a little lethargic, but it is not because I'm not interested in all of your company and the important things Dell has to say. Well, I just hope you don't yawn while you're talking. That's the worst when you bore Let's be honest, that feels much more true, right? Uh, Y'all, lately I've just been boring myself. Hold on, let's see what some people said. We got a bunch of people here. Whether you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, write us your comments, questions. We'll probably do a lot of them today because who knows what's going to happen, but we're grateful you're here. Uh, please share the broadcast. Uh, Leanne said, wait, let's see, everybody else. It makes me feel good when other people are doing good. Leanne's doing awesome. Thanks for asking. You look good in that picture, Leanne. And oh my goodness, that is my high school drama teacher, Teresa Hine from Zapata, Texas. Oh, I love that. Did she say I like you with the five o'clock shadow? Yes, I in the morning. We work really hard at it. Uh, Leanne said not good at all. Yes, well not uh -huh. good at all. It's 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 bad out there, y'all. It's like you know, and, and Teresa wrote that on my Miss um, Hine. We called her Miss Hine. Now I'm older, I can call her Teresa. Uh, we we we. She wrote that on my Facebook. She said, it, you know, it's it's bad. It's bad down there in Laredo, Texas, and Zapata, Texas, and San Antonio, Texas is just a hotbed, and Florida is a hotbed, and I I don't know what to do. I did except just I'm all but spraying other people with alcohol. <laughs> 
just like crazy, like when a cat, you know. Carry a spritzer. Don't you want those people without a mask? I just want like, you know how when Sissy gets up in the window and won't stop barking, I get a little spray bottle and spray her. If I see someone without a mask, would it be wrong for me just to spritz them a little bit? Get yeah. away from me? It would yeah. be wrong or it would be right? No, I think that's appropriate. Okay. I think at this point, whatever it takes. You know, I mean, what we do here, y'all, obviously, most of you know, is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. But there's some of these things that certainly affect our community that but that really affect all of us. That is, you know, making my brain bleed. It's like I didn't even do these as individual stories this next little bit because there's so much nonsense. Melody said, loving the lighting bugs that are out every night, trying to find small things to appreciate every day. That's so ironic. A friend of mine sent me a script called Lightning Bugs. I think I have to read it now. Uh, uh, thank it you, was for Melody, and in, 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 uh, we would love to get back to Eureka Springs. I wear the mask every day. It says ES. Yes. All right. Well, let me let me kick off an actual set of news. I didn't do all these as individual stories because it's. You know, the frustration, I think, is the seeing leaders failing their communities as well. I mean, these are just bullet points, right? Ted Cruz on that American Airlines flight with no mask, just because, you know, he's the prettiest princess and doesn't need to follow the rules. And um, yes. He, well, he needs a mask, too. He really does. I mean, I have been trying desperately just to get him the message, just be doing my good gay duty to... Tell him that those capillaries on that nose can be zapped. It's just, it's not that expensive. Just go to the dermatologist. It's zzzzz. I mean, it, look close, y'all. Y'all go Google it, not right now after the show. And you'll see all of these capillaries, which usually is a drinker. Anyway. But also, if he just wear the mask, he wouldn't even have to go do that. You wouldn't see it. That's what I'm saying. It's just. It's much cheaper. And he's not that pretty. He is not a pretty man. He looks um, and then on the monsters, and then and then we have governors actually actively opposing the, the safety for their peoples. Brian Kemp in Georgia signing an executive order invalidating mask mandates in 15 local governments, and then suing the mayor of Atlanta to not be able to have a mask mandate in Atlanta, like. That's bonkers to me. If the whole point of like conservatism and small government is letting the local government decide what's necessary and they decide that and the governor is suing them to say no, how is everyone not losing their mind at that? I, I, I hope, I really hope that Mayor Bottoms runs against that motherfucker and beats it next time. I can't stand him because I, I, I hope Stacey Abrams goes a little bit up and in the politics. Although, you know, she, she could run again too. It's, yeah. it's crazy. It's ridiculous what's going on and, and the arrogance of it all as look at, look at what's happening in Florida. I mean that it, to, to, to just spout all of that. Oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And they, I think today on the news that they, they were saying that Florida has more cases and more deaths than like all of part of Europe or something. I mean, it was like, I should get these stats right before I start just trying to 
<laughs> well, that was great. It's, I think that this one one of those old women that you know. I saw this one thing where it's, it's uh, something about Europe, and they there's more in Florida than Europe, and I don't know. Somebody help me out there. Someone who's knowledgeable. Well, and then you have leaders that are actually testing positive that still don't want masks mandated in their communities. The Attorney General of Louisiana, who's been fighting their Democratic governor for months now. Uh, tested positive after last week urging schools to reopen without mask mandates because it infringes on students' liberty. And then, of course, the Oklahoma governor, Kevin Stitt, tested positive, and he's opposed all mask mandates. You know, usually once people get sick, then they care about other people. Yeah, but Governor, governor Stitt, was, he was the one who spoke at the Trump rally in Tulsa. So... Yeah. You know, perhaps he got it there. It seems to the math seems to add up. And it, I'm worried about that Louisiana. You know, I teach in Louisiana. I teach at NSU and I'm supposed to go down there in October and November. And I mean, I, trust me, I'm going to wear a mask. It, oh, it just, it, it's infuriating. And oh, can we talk a little bit about Chuck Woolery as well? Because yeah. the, the fact that the, the president uh, was retweeting this asshole say it, who was basically saying COVID, all these lies about COVID the very next day. Now, this is what I think is true karma. His son tested positive for COVID. And then he actually retweeted and said, it's real. And then he deleted his tw Twitter. Wait, Chuck Woolery did? Yes. You didn't know this? No, I, for my mental sanity, I have been staying off Twitter and- no. Oh, Chuck Woolery deleted his Twitter after his son tested positive for the coronavirus after he was like so excited that Trump retweeted him three times saying that it's a hoax and all of these uh, conspiracy theories about COVID. And now it's right in his family. And he said well, it's real now. Game show hosts got to stick together. And here's the thing, like someone like Chuck Woolery, you know, being, and I, the reason I'm staying off Twitter is I'm like, I'll read real news stories. I like can't with like social media is, is melting my brain personally. Uh, lately, but I read a story about this just regular guy, a 35, 37 year old did two tours in Afghanistan and he was one of those, it's all a hoax, the president said it's a hoax and then he got sick and he died on July 4th. You know, there's a like a karma thing that people, you know, with big celebrities, but like this is someone who because he's a conservative, because he's a MAGA Trumper, like it's like the president says, it's not real, all these people are not da 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 and then gets it and dies. You know, I don't want people dying from their ignorance and our leaders have a responsibility uh, to do better. Well, I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's getting closer and closer to people that I know. My, my ex-wife's mom died of COVID. Um, one of my cast members in uh, San Francisco this week, her dad died of COVID. Um, and it's, it's, it's real. It's real. That, so I'm staying here. I rearranged my furniture. Thank you, Matt Hayes. I know, it's like, I can barely get out of the bed, but where I gotta go? <laughs> it's like to, to the, from, the, from the bed, limping into the living room, yes. into the kitchen. It, <laughs> like it was a bit of a Herculean effort to get the shower done, but you know, I made it to this chair. What am I gonna do after this? Watch Drag Race and sit on the sofa, so. You look very good to be so peaked. 
Well, love- you know, I got a little under eye concealer on and this feel like helps. Yeah, I well, I turned mine on today. Last show, I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> So, okay, shall we move on? Uh, we we yes. ranted about enough. Let's rant some more. Um, Your favorite. Yes, uh, Karen McEnany. I mean, Kaylee. Uh, <laughs> she's like the, the highest form of a Karen. Uh, on Monday's press briefing, Washington Blade reporter Chris Johnson, one of ours, mentioned the soon-to-arrive three-year anniversary of Trump's ban on trans people in the military and ask if Trump is willing to reconsider the policy and mention the story we told you Tuesday about 100 lawmakers urging the president to end the ban. Many have questioned the legality of Trump's prohibition following the Supreme Court's recent ruling banning anti-LGBTQ workplace discrimination. Well, Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany, who I fucking hate, deflected the question and pivoted saying, I haven't talked to him about that specific policy, but this president is proud that in 2019, we launched a global initiative to end the uh, criminalization of homosexuality throughout the world. It's a very long sentence, Kaylee. Uh, He has a great record when it comes to LGBT community. Where? Uh, The Trump administration eased a ban on blood donations from gay and bisexual men, and he launched a plan to end the AIDS epidemic by 2030. Now we have not seen this plan, but he said, go in to 2030, it's gonna end. He's gonna make sure this is happening. Uh, Johnson then uh, tried to clear an answer on the trans ban, uh, but a sidestep, a little sidestep, and she called on another reporter. She is so ridiculous. Well, also, but first of all, everybody saw that binder full of tabs that she brings to the podium, and she hadn't asked him about this policy that's three years old now. Um, That's bullshit. And also great on LGBT issues. Remember the story we did about HUD allowing homeless shelters to discriminate against trans people. Every opportunity at the Supreme Court, the Department of Justice has fought to say you can fire people for being LGBTQ. Healthcare, multiple times, loosening, I mean, at every opportunity, this administration is like, don't worry about that. She just, I don't know. I think she's the kind of person, like, if you just look, if the, you, if there's in the dictionary, if there was something that said white woman, it would have Kaylee McEnany. She is so everything I cannot stand about. Well, yeah, I mean, she's, you know, Kelly and Conway 2.0. You know, CNN made Kaylee McEnany a thing, and Trump watched her there, and now she's the press secretary because she was willing to say whatever needed to be said to end up on a panel. So that meant being a permanent Trump defender, and she is failing upward all the way up to just lying in front of the nation on a daily basis. And and just, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm all oh, of faith and all that stuff. It's just like you are, you're not. You're not. I'm not a Christian, but I'm a better Christian than her by not being a Christian. Yeah, and also remember the story we told you on Tuesday, right? It's Friday, Tuesday. Um, about Poland's super homophobic president. Well, Trump did tweet this week, congratulations to my friend, the Polish president, on his re-election. That's real, real pro-LGBTQ, so glad that, glad that's... Fuck you, Kaylee McEnany. I'm in a mood today. I'm mad because my friend's sick, and so I'm just going to go after her. Um, I mean, yes, I have, you know, zero fucks left to give. And our Russian LGBT community that, you know, has been under... Uh, fire for so many years now. It's continuing to get worse there as new lawmakers 
are continuing to support Putin's promised crackdown on our community. An author of legislation proposed this week says her bill will ban same-sex marriage, adoption by trans people, and recognition of same-sex unions registered abroad. There used to be a loophole in Russia's family code that was used to grant official recognition to same-sex unions that were registered abroad, um, and they're closing that. And this follows earlier this month, voters approving a constitutional amendment defining marriage as only between one man and one woman. So I'm sure Trump will be tweeting to his good friend Putin, uh, you know, because everyone is just so good on LGBTQ issues. Yeah, that well, they're worse than us, I, I, I guess. Um, all right, so G Governor Jared uh, Polis, is it, is it Polis or Polis? Do you Polis. know? Polis. Polis. Okay. Uh, Colorado, who is gay. Uh, signed several bills into law Monday that affect the LGBT community, including banning gay or trans panic as a defense. Uh, represented, uh, Representative Brianna uh, Titoni, the first transgender legislator, ooh, I, I'm having a, a vocal, pro I mean, uh, mouth problems more than usual today. The first transgender legislator in Colorado was a lead sponsor of the bill. And she said, for me, what this bill really means is protecting black trans women who are the most vulnerable in the communities we are trying to protect here. Uh, Polis also signed a bill allowing pharmacists to prescribe a PrEP drug for HIV pre prevention if the pharmacist meets a certain requ requirement and requiring insurance to cover the drugs. Another measure he signed simplifies requirements for minors to change the gender on their birth certificate. They will need to present a statement from a licensed healthcare provider that their gender identity does not align with the one on their original birth certificate, but they do not need to provide proof that they have undergone any transition uh, transition procedures. So he's doing things for us. There you yeah, go. Yeah, and it's such a great reminder of representation matters and makes our issues a priority. You know, Brianna and being a trans legislator focusing on this, and you think about the all the stories we're doing of trans women being murdered, uh, Brayla Stone and Mercy Mack, and had, taking away the ability to use panic as a defense uh, is very helpful. And I love that they're making it easier to get prep, that you could go to some pharmacists and get it. Um, that's really exciting because access to that is really important. Absolutely. And you know, here, here's a, uh, my, my high school drama teacher still in the room said, let's vote and yes, that is the main thing that we can do. We can see what happened in Colorado. There we go, thank you. We must vote. We must take all of these movements, every one of them to the polls in November or any of the polls that are before and, and, and vote, We've, we have to. This is, the, this is the way that we can make changes. Yeah, and we better like stay on the voting thing. It's like, you know, whatever the new crazy conservative running the post office that's like trying to make it harder for mail-in ballots. In Portland, you've got, you know, protesters being what seems like kidnapped by unmarked federal officers. You know, we got to vote, but we got to show up every day and be paying attention every day. I mean, I don't know all the details yet, and so I don't want to go too deep into the story, but the stuff happening in Portland seems fully insane. And where did they go? I, that's why we never found out. I haven't found out where they took them. And it seems weird that the national news isn't like really there yet. All over it. It's, it's been going on for quite some time. These are protesters that have been out every day. And now, and you know, Kate Brown, the governor, is saying that she wants the federal forces gone 
And so they're superseding. I mean, yeah, we got to vote, but y'all, we got to make sure we're, we make it to the election. Yeah. And, you know, we got to make sure that Ruth, Ruth gets well. That is scary as well. I mean, I, I, I tweeted today. I said, you know, I've stopped praying a long time ago, but I'm going to start just for, sir, for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. Yes, Philip. That's Philip at Scott's house in my, in my Palm Springs, you know, vacation home. He looks good in that tank top. Awesome. Um, um, I know Ruth and now what was it they said today? Chemotherapy, like oh. chemotherapy. Her, she's got um, she her. You know, once again, I mean, she's battled pancreatic cancer, and this is uh, her liver uh, cancer has uh, reared its ugly head, and she's been undergoing chemo for a while, and but now she has disclosed it. So the uh, well, and in related news, you know, it's there's. The election is important, but there are so many things that still are happening and can happen until then. And one of the really big ones, um, you know, the Trump administration has been doing its best to stop immigration of any kind, except for their favorite white people, I guess, from Northwestern Europe. And let's be real, probably Stephen Miller and his racist ass running this. But they proposed a new federal regulation that would make it almost impossible for the vast majority of asylum claims, including by gutting the definition of refugee to the point where LGBT asylum seekers will basically be excluded. The new regulation they proposed would force asylum seekers to declare their particular social group at their first asylum hearing. That's the area where we qualify, you know, LGBT people would qualify, meaning they'd have to out themselves at their very first hearing in front of a potentially hostile judge. It would also exclude evidence in support of a claim if the judge thought it promoted a cultural stereotype against a country or a person. Now that's really sort of convoluted, but an example is a claim could be blocked on the grounds that it allegedly advances stereotypes about a cultural context that may have contributed to homophobic violence. In layman's terms, basically, if it's like religious, you're re facing religious persecution for being LGBTQ, that might be excluded as a factor because it promotes a stereotype of religious people or religious cultures. It would also limit the claim of abusers if the abusers are gangs or family members rather than government officials, which is very common in Central America. Uh, to qualify as persecution, the threat would need to be exigent, immediate, so threats of violence are no longer enough. And finally, the failure to seek asylum in a country through which the applicant transited. So like people from the central, the golden triangle who come through Mexico could be denied. And so this is many of the ways that LGBTQ people qualify for asylum are now so much harder under this proposed uh, legislation. And to, to, to show a counter, RuPaul's Drag Race Canada, that's airing right now on WOW Presents Plus, there is a queen, Anastasia, who she was from the Bahamas. Uh, she was shot in the Bahamas three times and she was granted asylum in Canada so fast. She told the story on the show. She said it was so easy, so fast. Um, and yet here we are in America, supposed to be the Statue of Liberty, give me your poor, your hunger, your tired, your huddled masses, uh, with a racist, xenophobic government doing their best to say, nope, America's closed, no matter what. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Sickening. Makes me wonder if I should have just stayed up there, Emerson. Just stayed up there in Winnipeg. 
Um, yes, although I'm trying to be accountable, like our southern LG, our southern queer friends who stayed where they are, right? I can we can stay here and fix this country. No, I on behalf of and for our marginalized friends, and you know, the people who can't leave. It's amazing how you look at Canada sometimes. I mean, not just that, but look at with COVID, how they how well they're doing because they've done it right, you know, and and they're respectful of each other. Their society there is respectful of each other and they're wearing masks. Same as Japan. So, all right. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, go. Well, no, it's that, you know, I'm, I've always been a huge fan of like individual liberty, individual opportunity, the, the ability of Americans to like succeed, to create new things, to, you know, um, but while acknowledging not everyone has the same opportunities, but the idea that a piece of fabric infringes on your personal liberty has to go down is like the most bonkers, snowflakey. You know, the, the right's always accusing the left of being snowflakes, but the idea that you're like, oh, this court feels like a muzzle, I can't smile. I mean, yes, I'm as smiling at people too, like the crazy southerner I am. Anyway. Well, Caroline Ray was telling me the story that she heard where this kid uh, lived at home with his family and the family begged him not to go out and he went out, I think it was in Florida, and came back and gave the entire family, the entire family COVID. He's fine, he's just fine, but his dad is on a ventilator now. So- well, and, and Ken makes the point, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal if Trump had just worn one from the beginning. Right. You know, if, right. if he had just put one on, if this had not been a like MAGA versus crazy liberal libtard issue, if it had just been a for all of us issue, and what was his reason? I don't look good in them. Well, you look better. You really don't want to look weak. Yeah. And also I think he thought, you know, I think from the beginning, he really thought this is not going to get that bad. I and then it was like, what can we do to make it seem like it's not that bad? And y'all, I don't know if everybody's paying attention, but it is about to get so much worse. Now, and I don't even mean the COVID, I mean the country. When the pandemic unemployment assistant ends at the end of July, if they don't renew that, in August and September, the number of people that are going to be out of their homes, or you know, the, the unable to pay rent, like the economic part of this is going to crater in the fall. If Republicans were smart, they'd extend those benefits just to get everybody through the election. Yeah, but Turkey Neck, uh, Mitch, notice I, I cover mine when I say that because I'm a little, you know, but he's, he's saying no, over my dead body. Well, they extend them, so. Well, no, it's gonna be over too many of our dead bodies. Great. So, all right. Well, 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 lighter. I know that was a lot of heavy stories, but y'all, I feel like it's important and we, we can all communicate and commiserate together, but don't worry. We do have some fun nonsense stories to share too. Well, one of them just thrills me to the core because Mary Trump's tell-all book, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, sold a staggering 950,000 copies by the end of its first day of sale, a new record for Simon & Schuster. Uh, in the book and in interviews, uh, Mary tells of homophobia from her grandmother. She was living with a woman in the 90s, planning to marry her on a beach in Hawaii. But just before the wedding, the entire Trump family got together because Donald Trump's father, Fred Trump, was sick and dying. The family started talking about Princess Diana and Elton John performing at her funeral. Her grandmother, also named Mary, said it's a disgrace they are letting that little F-A-G-G-O-T 
uh, Elton John sing at Princess Diana's service. In the book she writes, I realized it was better that she didn't know I was living with a woman. She says homophobia was never an issue because nobody ever talked about gay people until the Ellen moment. In her book, Mary Trump described her grandfather, Fred Trump, as a sociopath, but also as a powerful patriarch of the family. She said that her uncle Donald is clearly racist, in part because he grew up in a family with a knee-jerk anti-Semitism, a knee-jerk racism. Growing up, it was sort of normal to hear them use the N-word and use anti-Semitic expressions. Uh, Mary Trump is currently living in New York with her wife and her daughter. I did not know she was a lesbian until this story. I did not either. I'm very, like, welcome, I'm, welcome over to our side of the street, Mary. <laughs> welcome, come on, <laughs> give me a hug. Are you gonna read it? Are y'all gonna read this book? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I have bought all of those books and I just know that he's an asshole and do I need to know how, to the extent that he's an asshole? Uh, our friend Stuart Bell, uh, that we love and adore, he said that he's listening to it. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I feel like I've already read the good parts. I'll read the clips online. I just, I don't need any more of him in my life. I only care that you know it is making him melt down today that her book has number one sales. I mean, Simon & Schuster is a giant book publishing company. For that to be the number one ever, I enjoy how much it's irritating him and more than because let's be real. This isn't changing anybody's mind. You know, it's just another, another clip in the reel of his terrible things, but no one's learning this information from Mary Trump and feeling differently about Donald. And what was that uh, awful book? Oh, was it called triggered? Um, that, um, that Donald, yes, Donald Jr. had a book called Trigger that he's just been, it's been pinned to his Twitter forever. I think it sold seven or eight copies. Trigger. I think it did really well. Did it really do well? He is a darling of the young, super conservative movement. Let's see what it did. Sales numbers. I, I, here we go. It's, uh, yeah, it, um, the first thing that comes up when I said Donald Trump Jr. cell number, it says donate to Trump Pence 2020. Donate $20 today. No, I am not going to. Um, go ahead. Y y is it your next story? And then I'll it see. is. Okay, go. I'll see if I can find how many his. No, pay attention to my story. Okay, I'll pay attention. You barely read yours. Remember? This is comedy. We're engaging in a conversation. I barely read mine. Oh, that, oh, that one where I was stumbling over words. I was, um, so, I was so nervous because my speech and drama teacher was in the room. Yes. She had to be ashamed of me. All right. Well, in other fun news, in 2019, Hallmark got into a big controversy when they pulled uh, commercials for an online wedding registry, Zola.com, which featured a same-sex couple citing pressure from one million moms. You can insert your line here. Yes, I think there were, last time I checked, there were 166,000. At best. If that, if that. Well, Hallmark CEO Bill Abbott responded after all of that to criticism of the channel's lack of LGBT inclusion, saying the network was open to adding queer characters to its films. Well, 
Crown Media, the company of the parent company of Hallmark, announced this week it will be true. They have 40 new holiday movies coming and wow. confirmed that those films will include queer characters and storylines. Sportsperson George Zeralitis told Pink News, of those 40, I can confirm that we will include LGBT plus storylines, characters, and actors. We are in active negotiations and look forward to announcing more details when we can. We are committed to creating a Hallmark experience where everyone feels welcome. And I love that, you know? We deserve to be in ridiculous Christmas movies as well. I'm thinking, Emerson, we better think of a, a Christmas story. We better think. We start need to start pitching. They, I mean, they Although, do so many. They do so many movies. They have 40 new Christmas movies. My mom will watch every single one. It's um, in Louise Beard. Oh, she's always, she's watching them all year long. But let's be honest. I mean, these may be the first officially out LGBTQ plus characters in a Hallmark movie, but I feel like there have been lots of coded queer characters in those movies for many years. Do you know there's that barista that's like, I have a caramel frappuccino for Ivy and a tall drip for Holly. Oh, twins, cute. Oh, you're the dark one with the bangs. Uh-huh, you know, there's that office assistant that's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but your mother said that if you don't get on the plane, you're gonna miss the snowstorm. Like, and then there's the bachelor brother that's like- yeah, that's I'm thinking of. I've seen the bachelor brother. I just haven't met the right girl. I mean, I've got you and mom and Aunt Tilly and great Aunt Susan and just so many women in my life, just so many women. Uh, but now we'll be official. Uh, yeah, at one point it was played by Steve Gutenberg, but I don't know who's playing him this these days. Uh, the, um, oh, that, by the way, the the the, the one million uh, moms uh, they're uh, they're up to a hundred and two thousand on Facebook. Great, so like a tie that they are ten percent of their title. They're working. Um, all right. Well, and also this is the middle of the show. We're halfway there. Thanks for sticking with us on this fantastical Friday. Uh, if you're sitting at home and you've got a bunch of money you don't know what to do with, and you've donated to all the causes you can think of, and you want to throw. A few dollars our way. You can tip us on Venmo to me at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. It's in the ticker below. I will split it with Dell. We are very grateful to those of you who do. We do this. I don't know. I may I may let you have it all this week for that copay on that on those uh, those meds. <laughs> I know. I thought it was supposed to be like fifteen dollars, and it was twenty three. Oh yeah, oh 23. Someone someone <laughs> give Emerson exclusively 23. Stop it. Okay. Um, Rick, Luke McFarland should be the first star of the first Hallmark LGBTQ movie. I know, where's he been? I'd like I him think, to come out. I think Emerson Collins should be his boyfriend or his new husband. Be like, I just want to be one of the friends that's like, I don't know. The the quippy one, the real quippy yeah. one. I want to be the one that's a, I would be the one in at the at the happy hour in the city that's like you're going where? <laughs> is there even a hotel or is it like that thing where the doors are on the outside and there's no room service? What's a cabin? Yes, yes, what is a cabin? What is um so are uh, yeah, oh, by the way, uh someone said something about this and yes, Mary Trump is uh I don't know if this is what they're talking about. They may be talking about something else, but I'm excited. Right after our show, Mary Trump is on CNN. So she did uh, a big Rachel Maddow yesterday, I think. 
Yeah, I, I taped yeah. that one. I have not taped it. I, why do I still say that? I taped it. It's, it's what you said growing up. Uh, oh, I, I had a really uh, interesting, wonderful experience yesterday, Emerson. I wanted to, I told you a little bit about it on the phone, but off topic completely. Speaking of taping, I got, all, I'm doing so many things during COVID. And one of them is I got all my VHSs and my daughter, Rebecca, is putting them on digital files. And I saw the very first production of Southern Baptist Sissies yesterday with Rebecca and the opening number of Trailer Trash Housewife. And it kind of, it's like it walking down a little memory lane. It's kind of fun to, to revisit. And I wonder, I wonder if I, out there, are y'all, are y'all going through photo albums? I mean, how are you filling your time? I'm next going to declutter all the drawers. That's, that's my yeah. next, that's, that's my next big project. So we did that one. Uh, well, onward, onward. We've got British Vogue. Wait, hold on, pause real quick. Zana definitely just sent $23 for my meds. Thanks, Who's Zana. that? Zana Doe. Okay, Zana Doe. And, and Emerson, do not split that $23 for me. Since I solicited it specifically for your meds, please do not give me that money. Um, oh. I want you to get those meds and get them inside you. I want you to be better. You're doing really well, though, I have to say. You bucked up for it. Um, yeah, I can put on a show. Yeah, you did. Um, okay, so, all right, back to the show. British Vogue uh, editor-in-chief, Edward uh, Inningful, the first gay black male to hold such a post in Vogue's history, shared this story this week on Instagram. He said, today I was racially profiled by a security guard whilst... I love that he used the word whilst entering my workplace. As I entered, I was instructed to use the loading bay. Just because our timelines and weekends are returning to normal, we cannot let the world return to how it was. Change needs to happen, and it needs to happen now. He said uh, Condé Nas, the company that owns Vogue, moved quickly to dismiss, to dismiss the security guard in question from its office. The guard, whose name was not made public, worked in the building as a third-party contractor and has now been placed under investigation by their employer. With over 30 years in the fashion industry, uh, Inningful has been a leader in promoting models of color as well as publishing articles about racial injustice and was asked to go enter on the loading dock or the loading bay. And what's and what the thing I wanted to say about this is, you know, it shouldn't matter that he's the editor at Vogue. You know, it shouldn't be assumed that a black person doesn't belong in this space. You know, that's the a, <clears throat> it's the exceptional minority trope, right? It's like, oh, but he's this. It shouldn't matter. You shouldn't assume yeah. that a black person doesn't have the right to be walking through the door of the building that you work at. Black people, people of color, trans people. Marginalized people shouldn't have to be better than the average person to be treated with decent respect as a human being. You know, that's just as racist to be like, oh, but he's such an impressive one. It's still othering. Like, wh who thinks, like, why did this secu the security guard think a black person shouldn't be in the building? That's insane. Just fine. Two cents. That was four. Four cents. You just said that. <laughs> I often, I'm often offering four cents. And, 
and quick updates. You know, we shared these stories and they're really hard, uh, but positive steps in both Brayla Stone and Mercy Max, uh, the murder of these two black trans women, uh, arrests have been made in both cases. And Brayla Stone, 18 year old Trevon Miller, uh, was arrested on a charge of capital murder in connection with her death, no cause of death released yet. But they did hold a vigil uh, in her honor, uh, calling for the end of misgendering her. About 100 people attended the vigil at a Little Rock church. Um, so progress in Brayla Stone's case. And then Mercy Mack, they've arrested 20-year-old Angela Walker, uh, her murder in Dallas. A witness saw him pursue her into the apartment's complex parking lot, shooting at her and continuing to fire at her on the ground. Mercy's family described her as an upbeat person who doted on her niece and nephews. Her sister said, that's the kind of auntie she was. She'd say, I don't care what your mama said, come get in this car and we're going to get some ice cream. They loved her. So uh, still tragic cases, but progress in that people, it seems they have arrested people in both cases to hold accountable. But obviously the goal is to stop these things before they happen by changing the way our culture uh, perceives trans women of color. I was gonna say lighter news because there's something light about this story, but it's about a woman who died. So I don't Okay, I want to preface this in advance. I am going to laugh at this story. Okay. It's it's so a stupid woman in Scotland. <laughs> I added that stupid where Emerson did not put that in the script. Uh, she drank a bottle of XL gold poppers, uh, mistaking them for alcohol and died. Uh, poppers contain the inhalant uh, esoprofol nitrate and are technically illegal many places, but they are marked as room odorizers or video head cleaner. That's what we always, you know, that get, get my video head clean uh, with uh, uh, friends of mine did that, with a big wink. She brought bought them at a store that displayed them in a separate box on the counter in amongst miniatures of alcohol, according to a report by the local uh, licensing standards office. The report claims a man purchased two bottles uh, and later gave them to this woman. The bottle was marked not for human consumption, but she apparently drank the entire thing. The shop is now the target of an investigation and has retained counsel who said, well, obviously, it didn't say well. He just said, obvious, obviously, my client is extremely upset that the woman died. I'm not going to continue that accent. But the product is clearly marked as not being for human consumption. And in my opinion, a shop cannot be held responsible for decisions someone chooses to make at home. There's a number of household, this is my favorite. He goes, I'm gonna do it. There's a number of household products with from bleach to shampoo that are so legally, but should not be drunk. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but this is a Darwin moment. Like you can't just drink something cause it's in a bottle. Like that's on you. I mean, it's certainly tragic, but like trying to sue the store because you drank something that said, don't drink this. Growing up, we had those Mr. Yuck stickers. We put on the all the cleaners underneath the kitchen sink so the little kids knew not to drink this. You're we grown just, up. We just got hit with a fly swatter when we started to go for them. But uh, you know, it's like it reminded me of that time that I had that mouthful of bleach. But I, when I was sleep eating, and I, I I didn't go after Clorox. I didn't say that's Clorox fault. I didn't. I didn't 
I, I said, no, I was asleep. I was asleep on Ambien and I, I, I drank bleach instead of orange juice at the refrigerator. That's my fault. Yeah, at a certain point, the stupid is on you. Or maybe the friend who handed her the bottle. Because if she was already hammered and he handed it to her and she was like, oh, you know, but like the store that sold it to you, shut up. So sorry for your loss. Your friend was dumb. You know, there, there's a lot of liquor that's that's strong and like you go, you go ooh, mm, when you drink it. But I'm just thinking that if I, if I started drinking poppers, I would know... That is not a good thing. Yeah. Please read us this next story because I love it. <laughs> All right. In LGBTQ Christian news, Believer is an app that was started as primarily as a dating app for LGBTQ Christians. It is spelled Believer like grinder with no e at the end just cut it off don't need it now the founder says the app will go much further seeking to bring to, uh, the community together where people cannot find just dates but also friends and support resources the app is open and welcoming to all lgbtq people of faith not just christians co-founder brandon flannery says the app's about 75 percent of the way there the launch was interrupted by covid but they've also had difficulties because they hired and lost several web developers in 2019. Some developers didn't want to work with them because it was an LGBTQ app and others didn't want to work with them because of the app's Christian focus. So they were sort of got in the face from both sides. They hope to launch in the fall or at the latest earlier next year. It's not location-based, so the app's main feature uses a values quiz. It sounds like OkCupid, okay like where you answer a bunch of questions to connect people with shared outlooks, like putting together people who value money or family. The app's community space will revolve around shared interests. Uh, Believers stands out because it's dashboard, which will list curated content on topics like finding an LGBTQ affirming church and books. Um, the vast majority of our team is straight. Over 80% aren't even Christian. They rally behind us because they know this app is needed. Everyone is worthy of love, specifically when it comes to being gay and Christian, there's that pressure of I'm too gay for Christians and too Christian for gays. You're worthy of existence in a place that tells people that is so important. The Believer team uses their funds to support other community organizations like the Marsha P. Johnson Foundation. So if you buy the paid version, not only supports their team, it strengthens other LGBTQ organizations. I'm just so confused by the 80% that run it are not Christian. I mean, it's like, look, I would assume they're like tech people and app people and marketing people, you know. They're capitalists. They go, yeah. oh, there's a need, there's a need. They Be like, we'll take your money. Um, I, but he does make a good point. It is interesting, you know, because they do, you do sort of get shot from both sides. It's like, you know, Christians who say you're going to hell for being LGBTQ and LGBTQ people that say, I can't believe you're a Christian because they say such terrible things about us. Um, and so having a space affirming for affirming dating community sounds like queer Facebook, but also, you know, fuck it. Are they, you think they're fucking? Is that what well, you said? Well, I think that if you, you know, once you admit that you're LGBTQ and you can't have biblical marriage sex, you know, the wheels are sort of off the tractor and you can do what you want. I'm sure there's some on there that are monogamously waiting uh, to share their first 
same-sex experience within the vows of civil matrimony? Is there a difference between Christian sex and grinder not Christian sex? I, I, I have a lot of questions. But... Uh, it's the music that's playing in the background. If it's Sandy Patty or DC Talk, it's Christian. I have Sandy Patty's book of Love Me, y'all, right up there. I selected all my favorite books and Sandy Patty made it. She's um, but, uh, but, but really, good for them. And when the app comes out, maybe you should get on it for a day or two. I think I could. I could just, I could have a little bit of fun on that app. I think you should just have some interesting theological conversations and maybe you'll find you some, you know. I can quote some scriptures. I can you search. sure can. They ought to have a Bible drill test on there and you could just oh clean up. I can I can find Second Thessalonians faster than anybody in the room. Um, all right. Well, pro wrestler Nick Gage, king of the death match. Now I don't know, I don't know these people, and I, I meant to I meant did to Did you even watch the video? I did not watch the video. You, know, you do this story because please do this story and please do his voice because I meant to watch Oh, no, that was the fun of you doing it. Um, y'all, no, just read it. It's amusing anyway, but you would, you would enjoy it. I'm going to make his voice my own and see what happens. Just if I, if I come close, Emerson. I, so pro wrestler, Nick Gage, king of the death match and the God of ultra violence recorded a video message expressing his support for the trans community in the face of an unrelenting campaign of hate in full wrestler style. He minutes. First off, I'm the god of this shit. I'm the leader of the murder, death, kill gang. I got something to say right now. I'm talking about trans right right now, especially in the climate of this America right now. Trans rights are human rights. They are human fucking beings. And if you're transphobic, guess what? You see me, I'm going to fuck you up. Shout out to all the trans out there. I support you. Keep fighting the fight. Was it close? I mean, it really was. <laughs> it really was. It was very that. And and being, you know, that is why I put it in. I, you know, here is this like badass, like literally death murder club or whatever, you know, celebrity in the world of like wrestling being like, trans rights, shut the fuck up. I'll beat you up. Like, Seeing people oh, you fuck with me, you fuck with me. Yes, seeing people in every arena speak up, you know, is really positive and really great and important because there, I would venture to say, there might be some fans in his world unfamiliar with trans people uh, or their experience. Um, and so, you know, a, a, an awesome video that's sort of silly and truly fantastic I like that. Watch it. I feel bad. I did not do my proper research. To, you know, a different audience. And we change people's minds by expanding their awareness. And it was fun and funny. Um, all right. Well, y'all, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or topics you want us to get to, put them in in a minute while I try to read this story. Literally, I'm having, have you noticed I'm having much more trouble speaking today than usual? It's just, I, well, I'm, I'm I about said more than usual. Yeah. I think I'm about the same. Okay, well, I found this amusing. Uh, let's see what y'all think. Hamilton has clearly been everywhere since it was uh, released on Disney Plus for streaming, the ability to watch the show. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But it led me down a rabbit hole to uh, a number of people historically and in research 
who believe that Alexander Hamilton might have been bisexual. Now, this is all circumstantial, so I'm curious to know what you all think based on this information. Uh, it's known that Alexander Hamilton had a very close relationship with fellow statesman John Lawrence, a lieutenant colonel and a member of George Washington's staff. They met as soldiers during the Revolutionary War and remained friends in the years that followed, writing letters filled with professions of love and passion. In one letter to Lawrence in April 1779, Alexander Hamilton wrote, Cold in my professions, warm in my friendships, I wish, my dear Lawrence, it might be in my power by action rather than words to convince you that I love you. You should not have taken advantage of my sensibility to steal into my affections without my consent. In another, after he got engaged to Eliza, he wrote, like a jealous lover, when I thought you slighted my caresses, my affection was alarmed and my vanity piqued. I had almost resolved to lavish no more of them upon you and to reject you as an inconstant and un ungrateful. I give up my liberty to Miss Schuyler, she is a good-hearted girl who I'm sure will never play the termagant. Though not a genius, she has good sense enough to be agreeable. And though not a beauty, she has fine black eyes. A year later, he went further saying, in spite of Schuyler's black eyes, I have still a part for the public and another for you. So your impatience to have me married is misplaced. A strange cure, by the way, as for if after matrimony, I was to be less devoted than I am now. There are even those who think the pair had a sexual relationship with a third, the Marquis de Lafayette, as Hamilton's grandson referred to them as the gay trio. But did they use the word gay back then like this, that? No. Oh, the grandson? Oh, the grandson. No. Oh, I see. Okay. No, they didn't. And, and obviously, there's lots of people who think it's, of course, it was an effusive era, you know, uh, effusive letter writing was very common at the time. Uh, but like being sort of shady about his fiance. Um, Saying she was, he, he basically said she was ugly with nice eyes. That's what he said. Yes, and not bright, but she'll do, was basically what he said. Um, we only know who he is because she worked for 50 years to get his letters put into the Congressional Library. So uh, he could be a little nicer now. Huh, that, I, I feel like those letters are pretty. They're definitely. They're pretty cinches. <laughs> pretty cinches. Well, and one more piece. They both worked in the staff of General Frederick Wilhelm von Steuben, the master trainer of Washington troops, who fled Prussia on sodomy charges that were never proven. He, Frederick von Steuben, really is the most likely known homosexual of the Revolutionary War. One of his aides wrote about wild parties he would have in camp that implied people were nearly or completely naked. And he became very close with two of his aides, both of whom he adopted after the war. Mm -hmm. They lived together and managed his estate and inherited it when he died. So okay. that one, pretty definitely a gay. That was Hamilton, very That was very The adoption was very common because that's how you legally became uh, able to uh, inherit and no questions asked. Um, wow. Wow. I know. Seeing uh, Hamilton 2 coming up. That's like a new, that's a whole new musical. A whole other story. They didn't mention that 
in that. No, I want Hamilton too to be the story of Eliza. Uh, well, because she lived for fifty years after he died. Fifty. She started the first orphanage in New York. I know. She was. She, she it, in 1848, she finally got his letters all put into Congress, which is why we have all this. She basically protected his whole legacy and was a big philanthropist in New York. I want it to be called Eliza, and I want it to just start with that gunshot. Like, awesome. he's dead, and then Eliza's got a story to tell. Yes. Well, very interesting, Emerson. And that was not even like in all the, you just kind of dug for that, didn't you? You just dug. Yeah, I saw it pop up somewhere and was like, oh, this is fun and interesting. You know, we've been doing some really serious stuff. Uh, we're kind of done, y'all. Anybody got any comments, questions while we enjoy each other's company for the last little bit? Uh, thank you to Allison and Zana for your Venmo contributions. If you want to send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins, PayPal, Beard Collins Shores Productions at Gmail. Dot com. Yes. Do you have fun weekend plans, Dell? Uh, well, I'm teaching. I have um, I have really enjoyed teaching. I teach two master acting classes, one on Saturday and one on Sunday, and I have really, really great students and hardworking uh, actors. So I look, I always look forward to that. And then on Monday nights, I just love teaching writing, and I have a great group uh, as well there. So. Uh, just, uh, you know, if you're a, a wannabe actor and we have, and we have a, also a beginners and intermediate class that Matt Hayes is now teaching and we just go to the Dell Shores studios.com. And I'm trying to get Emerson to teach a workshop and Blake. So yeah, we'll have Blake and I are talking this weekend about a workshop, musical theater workshop we can do together. Okay, good, good. Well, Carol, I miss seeing you on TV. We miss being on TV. Yes. That, well, Emerson, I guess they're talking. I, I'm not on TV that much. Thanks to COVID, I will not be meeting and greeting with Maren Morris tomorrow night in Bo Boca. Well, and she's not playing, right? She had, I would she, assume not. She had that baby, though, didn't she? Maren Morris, which is very pregnant recently. Uh, I hear, uh, Sky, Sky is one of my students. She said, I hear that the Sunday class is the best. It's pretty good, Sky, and you're you're amazing in it. So, uh, Xana Don'ts just ordered my monologues. Got a lot of monologues. Yeah, that's a, I'm just plugging my shit. Since so it's go, go to delshores.com uh, forward slash shop, and you can buy anything uh, in the Del Shores world, including all of the DVDs that Emerson Collins produced and stars in. Yeah, we hire Dr. Eve to evaluate Trump. That would make, that would be a great series. Oh, that would be a long running series. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't know if Rosemary's got that much therapy left in her. She's, uh, she also was so defeated after after Brother Boy did not work out. She did not get on Oprah. I feel that that um, that Dr. Eve sort of hung it up. She hung up that red bra and said, I'm done. That's it. So, well, what do you have going, Emerson? Are you gonna just crawl back in bed? Well, you know, I you know, I and y'all don't worry, don't worry about me. Blake's here doing plenty of worrying. Um but I'm just, yeah, I'm just gonna take it easy. Drag Race All-Stars tonight, we're almost to the end. Yes, I'm, I'm watching that. Uh, and, um, uh, and yeah, I'm just gonna be careful, you know, taking, 
being gentle on myself. Y'all be gentle on yourselves. Yes, absolutely. It's in in all seriousness, I um, I do worry about my friends and my family, and I, I worry, and but I worry about this country with so many people uh, being so obstinate and and not caring and belligerent about being anti-maskers. So it's just so simple. And if you if you're one of those arrogant people that think you don't need a mask. Think of all the people that we talked about that said the same thing and it's affecting them either directly or in right, right in their family, right in their family. So um, I'm sure that many of us know somebody who has been affected. So be, be kind to, our, to, to the elderly like me. Yes. All right. Well, however you spend it, enjoy your weekends. We'll see you on Tuesday. Check in on your friends. Check in on your people. Send us yeah. a little love. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you next time.